Welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Martin Diros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. Welcome to the Persuasion Lab and this week we're going to talk about illusions. Not in the magic sense, but illusions that give us confidence that allow us to persuade and be persuaded by others. And for want of a better description, these illusions, if you will, come in all different forms. And they do it very much in the forecasting business and other disciplines and expert opinions, uh, many of which are not correct. How can that be that experts are often wrong? And what makes a wonderfully predictive person of no and suddenly become the face on every talk show host. You would be surprised maybe that a certain amount of this is luck, Uh, but most of it is stuff that we ourselves place on people when we put ourselves in a position to be persuaded. And that's What we'll get right to is the business of illusion. When I talk about illusions, I'm talking about things that appear one way, but are objectively something else. Uh, Some of you may know this optical illusion called the Mueller-Lyer illusion, and you've probably seen it before. It's this double-headed arrow line Uh, right above a line with two inward pointing arrows at the tip of the line. Uh, So you have uh, kind of a double-headed arrow on top and then two arrows pointing to a line at the bottom. And the question is, which line is larger? And because of the way we process visual information, most of the people say and I'm looking at the graph right now. It looks like the double-headed arrow, the arrows pointing out on the same line, uh, it looks smaller than the one. But actually, if you take a ruler out, the lines are the same. That's the illusion. And this idea of how we process information cognitively, in this case visually, uh, incorrectly, and we assign a subjective value to it, uh, we get the wrong answer. So how do we avoid uh, these types of illusions? I think it's very important as persuaders, negotiators, that we talk about this. And I'm going to go over, I don't know, four or five different of these types of illusions as uh, listed in uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Nobel Laureate. Uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, it's a really good work on how our brains work and how we are persuaded. And uh, finally, I want to wrap up and talk a little little bit about the the forecasting business and how it's actually getting better. So um, 
One of the illusions I want to talk about is the illusion of validity, which deals with uh, putting a quality on something uh, based on prior performance. And so it gives us confidence. For example, um, we're uh, hopefully coming to the end of this pandemic and we know that um, you know, 78% of the people had the comorbidity of obesity who actually succumbed to COVID. So that health issue, obesity, uh, leads to inflammatory response, helps uh, the virus thrive and makes it difficult for people to uh, recover from it, sadly. Um, so knowing that, uh, we may think, oh, this virus is unpredictable. It came out of nowhere. But based on that, if uh, some of us are overweight, that we probably bear a higher risk of succumbing to that pandemic. Now, this is an illusion of validity. Based on the prior knowledge we have on the pandemic, we're saying this type of comorbidity may predict the future when it may not. There may be a variant, there may be something, and this validity based on the past is an illusion that gives us confidence to move forward. Now, it may be objectively correct, but uh, in backwards looking, because we have data, percentages, and I think something like 48% of uh, of the people who succumb were diabetic. So, uh, current data, uh, but that that will not predict future outcomes because uh, viruses mutate. We have variations, but that illusion of validity, backward looking on backward looking data, helps us think that we have some type of knowledge going forward. Uh, the next type of illusion we have is uh, being able to tell a good story. A, a good story here, I mean something that's logical and coherent. So if you know someone and he's able to tell a um, coherent story and explains the extent of the storyteller's knowledge on a subject, um, that coherence may make the storyteller feel good about their subjective ability to uh, be an authority on something because they can logically put a story together, they can tell a story, it sticks together, it's coherent, and uh, they will be feeling that, hey, I can put this together, this makes sense to me, and therefore I have this type of authority. This is you know, the illusion of coherence. The fact that you can tell a coherent story doesn't mean that you are correct. And a lot of us suffer from it. And a lot of us on imperfect knowledge, we will go into this mode, especially, uh, to be honest with you, doctors, lawyers, uh, professors. Uh, this is done all the time. The fact that we can coherently and intelligently say something, uh, we, we may assign more validity to it in the future. And Next, I want to talk about this um, idea on uh, stock predictors. 
and you know that we have economists and stock predictors, and then we have chimps um, who throw darts at a board. And I think, what was it, the Wall Street Journal who used to do this? They used to um, randomly throw darts at a board and then take you know five of the top stock pickers and many years the random dart throw totally beats the professionals. Um, why is this so? Because some people who, uh, maybe based on luck in the past, they assign a skill to this when it was random. There's really no objective evidence to show, oh, yes, they had special knowledge of the market, how markets move, or this stock, or this portfolio, and therefore they are uh, enshrined with this extra skill when uh, they themselves believe they are smarter than the market. And the market, if you understand it, is uh, very complex and multivariant. And this is why in the forecasting business, having a uh, stock picker is one thing, but having a really um, robust uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithm that can correct itself a lot faster and respond to your inputs is generally better than any person who uh, can say, oh yeah, I have really good skills in this area. Uh, I think it's in uh, this book, I'm quoting from Kahneman's book, where there's only, I think, five different variables that determine whether a wine is good and all these other predictions on the uh, how good a vintage will be is basically a very simple algorithm on days of sunshine precipitation uh you know amount of cloudy days it's a very um simple algorithm that determines if that will be a good vintage in future years so it's very formulaic but uh, we have people who talk about these variables uh, that they can like sense a terroir, uh, uh, the uh, yeah, the soil conditions. The uh, maybe there were lots of forest fires that year. They can actually think that the wine will last, stand the test of time when those variables may not have any impact on it. So. Um, the next illusion is kind of the uh, this ability of someone who can explain everything or hazard a guess on everything confidently. Uh, when we have someone who can really synthesize and overcome intellectual obstacles, uh, this illusion indicates that they kind of understand what's going on, that they have some type of global understanding of how things work when it really is, I'll call it a illusion of synthesis, the ability to synthesize and talk about things in a very confident manner and uh, pejoratively maybe make things up on the fly, adapt, overcome, and improvise your story. 
uh, to seem like you know what's going on. And this is something that you hear uh, a lot of people uh, hazard guesses. They're just outrageous. And many times they are pilloried. So this is the, uh, the illusion of some type of understanding, some global understanding, because uh, these individuals are very adaptable. And it's persuasive. It, it makes us think that, yeah, these people really are plugged in, uh, especially uh, people who use generalities, who go very high level on things and not specifically. So the next uh, illusion uh, has to do with um, experts who are um, trained. Uh, there's a large training uh, industry where you see a lot of certificates um, trained in a certain uh facility. It can be any major of things. I mean, I myself have a certificate on uh, privacy and security law, and uh, I got another certificate on kind of uh, spotting cyber attacks and this other stuff, and uh, that's fine. But the, the failings, the illusion uh, that the this type of certification has is that it assumes the world is predictable. It assumes the world is predictable. Because I'm able to issue spot things that have happened uh, in my, what I'm able to visualize, it creates the illusion that I've gone through this training, I have this certification, and therefore things are gonna be the same. In fact, the world is predictable. And my past certification, my past training is going to arm me for uh, spotting these issues. But what I end, I will spot those issues if they were something that were part of this training. However, if they are not predictable events, uh, then the training won't work. Then I won't be able to spot it because I wasn't informed of that. Uh, so... This illusion of that the world is predictable is the downfalling of many a person. When I was, uh, I think in the early 90s, uh, I was, I read this book uh, by an economist, Ravi Bartra, and he had some dramatic title like Blood in the Streets, and it was predicting, of course, this economic apocalypse. And I was like, wow, this guy, his numbers look good. Uh, this is very extreme. This is a great uh, storytelling. And he told of different economic crises and what precipitated them. And he said, hey, in the early 90s, the same conditions are there. And I believe this book. And I was like, oh, my God, downfall. And it never happened. And then a few years later, another author, economist, Ivy League educated, predicted another falling out extreme acute economic downfall and it never happened and then i learned that uh predicting and forecasting extreme events is an amazing uh business cottage industry because uh if you're right it's amazing but 
all the books and forecasts that are made that predict extreme things that do not come to pass. You don't hear about them, even though, depending on how good the storytelling is, it may be a very attractive title and may come to the fore of your bookstore and the consciousness. So these are different things that work. And there's a, a there was a book I read, I forgot the author's name, but it was called Super Forecasting. And basically this talked about, well, who are the people who really forecast it right? And this has to do with some things we've talked about in this podcast about how to really um, figure out if your deal or your transaction is going right or if the odds are in its favor. And that has to do with these concepts of uh, regression to the mean or maybe using uh, uh, Bayesian math to find out, okay, I want to deviate from that mean. Um, how do I uh, buck the tendency to regress to or towards the mean, meaning how things mostly happen? How do I get away from that as a good forecaster? You would have to have some evidence that really pushes things in the opposite direction. For example, if the uh, normal rate of inflation, say, is around 3%. I would uh, say, well, regression to the mean, I can count on it being 3% going forward. But if I have some information, some data uh, that would push it in, say, an inflationary cycle, like, oh, energy supplies are constrained. Oh, Supply chains are constrained. People want goods. There are few goods, so they're going to bid up the price, which is an inflationary thing. So that would regress away from the mean. In other words, that 3% is looking more like 5 And right now, as I speak, inflation is around 6.2%, the highest it's been in 30-plus years. So we can see that. Uh, regression to the mean is powerful forecasting, but if I want to go away from it, I'm going to have to figure out some evidence on how I'm going to vary from the mean. And you can calculate this out if you want to Google it um, uh, using uh, Bayesian uh, statistical methods. And that's what I have to do about illusions. And we finished up on what makes a good forecast because a lot of these illusions of validity when um, we have a lot of confidence and we think that we can predict the future based on past performance um, is one thing or telling a coherent story may seems to have oh yeah that's persuasive i'm gonna go in that or uh, the fact that I may have some skill or some training uh, or that I understand the world, these illusions are very persuasive, but objectively, they have to do more with the storytelling. And finally, uh, when you're trying to persuade someone away from the middle of the bell curve uh, or uh, force them to say, hey, these anomalies will happen, but my bias is going to be towards the mean, regress to the mean. How do I get away from that? Well, if you have confounding evidence, uh, new information on forecasting, and you adjust your model accordingly, that's a lot more persuasive to, to bring uh, 
your forecast into line and, and predict the outcome of your deals because that's what we want. We want to do better deals. We want to figure out how our persuasive ability is more likely to happen than not because uh, surprises can be expensive. And knowing how to work with these illusions and do better forecasting helps us be better negotiation in our strategic plans when we negotiate. And that's this week's podcast. Thank you for listening, and uh, congrats to the uh, staff here. This is the uh, 101st podcast, so we've, we're over 100 now. Thank you for listening, and please do um, subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to the podcast. This helps the algorithm uh, people, uh, algorithms help us get the word out that we communicate our needs to the world using persuasion, influence, and negotiation, and how good we are at using those elements determines if, in fact, our needs are met. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.